Welcome back to Second Helping, the top podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside my great friend Brent Beard of First Coast News, college football analyst there for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, and of course, a longtime voter where the race for the Heisman Trophy is concerned. So obviously, we're going to give you some firsthand perspective on the voting process and the recently announced Heisman Trophy for the 2021 season. Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback, takes that home. The award goes to Tuscaloosa for the second straight season. So, Brent, we have plenty of that to talk about. But as we record this, it is early signing day, midday on a Wednesday. So, man, the confluence of the transfer portal with uh, high school and junior college kids joining rosters. Uh, it's It really is head spinning at this point. Well, there's no doubt. Trav, always good to be with you uh, on our segment. But the, uh, uh, and I think that's really probably why um, that uh, the uh, appropriate committees within the NCAA and uh, the, the coaches association are looking at what to do uh, with the early signing period as a possibility of either eliminating it or putting it in January because we've got some unintended consequences because of it that's going on. Uh, and the point you made to me off the air was uh, astute in that we've got a lot of transfer folks who are still waiting uh, till signing day, and, and this is a signing period. People may not realize it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, although most of the headlines, I'm sure, will be on Wednesday. Uh, so, uh, the uh, I, look, there's still nothing like signing day. That uh, there's always some excitement into it, but uh, it has it has morphed into something much different, Trav, than when you had uh, a magazine years ago, and we were <laughs> uh, we were making calls and uh, to talking to coaches and players. Uh, and, and, and Trav, at that point, it was really work, was it not? You know, it's been almost thirty years exactly since you and I first got to know each other through the sports talk radio business in the early 90s. And then, yeah, the publication that uh, I had alongside uh, Richard Aspinwall, my partner back then, did an outstanding job on the logistics and graphics of Southeastern Preps Illustrated. But, you know, it has. It has changed so much just in terms of how we consume recruiting information, obviously online and pretty much exclusively now. The days of the good old magazines are a thing of the past. The fax uh, services that you yes. had with recruiting information. Uh, 1-900 numbers, Brent. I'm <laughs> sure you recall those oh, as yes. well. Absolutely. Everything now digital, online, and self-produced in a lot of ways from the prospect perspective. So entirely different now with the portal and the transfer uh, flexibility that there is. Uh, it, it's something I don't think either of us could have imagined when we first hooked up 30 years ago. No, there's no way. Absolutely. Uh, and, and listen, to me, uh, what some of this is, uh, is the grass is always greener stuff. But when you look at the real numbers, Travis, uh, and, and I give Mike Farrell credit for this, since August 1, 386 power five 
and 307 uh, of the non-Power 5 scholarship players uh, have entered the portal. That's a uh, total of 693 and 11 of them have withdrawn their name. Uh, and look, you and I both know that the, the real difficulty about this, Trav, is that the majority of those guys are floating in limbo and really have no idea where they're going to go. So, uh, look, and again, just because you put your name in doesn't mean you'll stay in there. Sometimes guys decide just to go back to school. But unfortunately to me, the the real concern are, are the ones who are in there and may not get a sniff from anyone for a long, long time. Yeah, and here's the dilemma, too, that I don't think a lot of the transfers who aren't of the sort of starting caliber uh, yes. at the Division One level take into account when they take that plunge is that, you know, even when you consider FCS in Division Two, the scholarship numbers go down. Sure. So when you get to FCS, I think it's mid-50s in terms of scholarships. Then you get to D2, it's low to mid-30s total. So you're going from 85 – at the FBS level, down, even if you can find a landing spot in FCS or Division II. So it's not the same even from a scholarship number. And look, let's also be very frank about this. Some of these guys aren't necessarily going to the portal by choice. I know that the NCAA (laughs) has implemented rules to prevent runoffs and things like that, but there's no doubt about it. A lot of these guys are being, let's say, encouraged Yes. to look elsewhere and uh, taking yeah. their lead from that. Uh, well, and Trav, that's just roster management, is it not? Well, that's uh, what we like to call it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and now, and, and listen, to his credit, you've got guys like Nick Saban who will sit down and have that fatherly conversation with some of these guys, uh, letting them know that that you can come back and compete, but this is kind of the direction we're going. But the thing I give Saban and guys like that credit for is they at least do their due diligence in, in trying to get some of these players that are leaving the program one way or another uh, a possibility of playing somewhere else. Yeah, there's a co-ownership, I think, involved, no doubt. I think from the program perspective, it's my belief that even if you have a misevaluation uh, in regards to a player, uh, you still owe that individual the opportunity to finish their degree, their undergrad. Right. And I think that's still what you see in a lot of places. You see places like Alabama where guys just really don't see the field, but a lot of times you won't see them make a move until – know they're they're in post-grad status so for me that's what's on the coach in the program you make a misevaluation it happens yeah at the same time if that individual wants to finish and complete their degree work their undergrad work on your dime that is owed to them and now look if they're not holding up their end of the deal in terms of day-to-day basis, academics, workouts, everything that goes with that position, that role that they have, okay, well, I can kind of understand that, but it largely falls on the shoulders of the evaluators in that circumstance. And just like with the players, you know, you go through the recruiting process, um, and I get, you know, bet on yourself. If, If there's a question about 
you know, your choice, you know, choose the path that's going to probably help you the, the realize your dreams the most. That being said, when you go to an Alabama, you go to a Georgia, you go to a Clemson, uh, you're going to run into some, some heavy traffic on your way to stardom at a place <laughs> like that. So you need to take that into account as well. Now, one quarterback, and we're going to talk about this coming up in just a little bit because I think it's an interesting angle to all this with that early signing day and then the portal is a part of that extension of that, basically adjacent to that these days. One quarterback who is not in the transfer portal is Bryce Young. Bryce Young <laughs> becomes Alabama's fourth yeah. Heisman Trophy winner last Saturday night in New York City. Of course, we have Brent Beard, Heisman Trophy voter with us on the program and so, Brent, now that it's over, you can sort of come out of your oath of secrecy <laughs> and give us your vantage point. Give us your thought process and how you went about determining your ballot for the 2021 Heisman Trophy. Uh, well, I would still say, and as we talked about on our segment, uh, is – uh, going into the weekend, I really was up in the air on who to vote for. Uh, conference championship weekend. Conference championship weekend. Yeah. And uh, with, what, with what Bryce Young did against Georgia, I think that had a lot to, uh, uh, to do in the minds of a lot of voters. And that really put him over the top. Uh, now, my vote, I voted uh, Bryce Young number one. I voted Matt Corral number two and Will Anderson of Alabama number three. Uh, and I think, I'm, and I'm really glad to see defensive players get more attention in the vote than they have. I, I still really disagree with the Heisman Trust on what they have done with, with, with making us keep this secret during the week because, Trav, the week after the Heisman in, in this 24 uh, our news cycle, it's unfortunately it's old news, and I think they lose a good opportunity during the week as we used to be able to do, and discuss who we voted for before it's actually announced. Now, that, that there are two things that that really struck me here. Number one was the number of first place votes that Will Anderson got, uh, and uh, the how he basically doubled. The stats for Adrian Hutchinson of, of Michigan, uh, who I, I do think he deserved to be there, but I think Anderson deserved to be there too. The the amazing thing also that that I saw was there were there were around a hundred voters, Trav, that and, and and when we vote, you have a first, second, third selection, uh, and then they tabulate him. You you go from there, but there were around a hundred voters who did not have Bryce Young either first, second, or third. Now, now, look, if you don't want to vote Bryce Young first, I get that. <laughs> but to leave him off the ballot, uh, Trev, I'm not, I'm not sure what in the world those voters are even looking at during that time. I, I, look, you know, it's, it's easy to assign this designation at this point in Alabama's run, but some of that at least has to be. Some of it at least has to be. You've got voters out there that are just – Tired of Alabama at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least some of it. I'm not saying yeah. all of it, but that's got to factor in. And I get a yeah. lot of it. it it's been a, a, certainly an elongated run. And you know now you're seeing you know Alabama at positions that are typically associated with Heisman winners uh, produce those 
those players. Uh, last year it was a wide receiver, which is rare in Devontae mm-hmm. Smith, but you know, three out of the last four years, right? You've had That's quarterbacks right. like Tua Tonga Vialoa, Mac Jones, and now Bryce Young that have certainly checked a lot of boxes where what we know the award really is about uh, is concerned. So Bryce Young does win the Heisman Trophy. Will Anderson uh, creates some consternation, especially in the South and certainly within the Alabama fan base uh, for finishing outside the top four finalists that made their way to New York City. Otherwise, at the quarterback position around college football, again, storylines mostly involving transfers we've seen already some big news for one sec eastern division program in that regard as far as an arrival at the position and we're still waiting some landing spots for a couple of three others and i think it's probably something that resonates position wide but maybe even more so at quarterback seems like brent teams programs transfers they're waiting until after this early signing day to kind of make their destinations known. Yeah, we've seen a few uh, of them make their destinations known. Michael Penix of Indiana, who, Trent, when he's healthy, is a really pretty solid quarterback uh, in this time. Spencer Rattler, obviously, what we'll, we'll touch on, has made his known at this point, too. But you've got a lot of them. And, and, and I tell you right now, uh, the Slovis kid from Southern Cal. I really a, like Slovis. Uh, uh, yeah. Listen, listen, I love that kid, Trav. I, I, I'm uh, whoever whoever is able to get him, uh, and and that surprised me a little bit uh, with with Lincoln Riley going over there as far as what maybe did not happen there. But but regardless, Slovis. Must, is they must already know they like Jackson Dart. Must be. Has to we be, saw right? at the end of the season, impressive young quarterback for SC. Uh, that That's the only thing. That, what I came to the conclusion on Keith Slovis from the outside is he had that conversation with Lincoln Riley, and no assurances were made. And I'm not even yeah. talking about starting next season as right. the guy, but just going into the offseason, where does he sit in that pecking order? And I would think Lincoln Riley, new to that job, with a Jackson Dart also in that picture, would tell Keaton Slovis, "We're we're opening the thing wide up. You know, it's a it's an open competition between you guys." Yeah, well, and uh, if that was the case, he he was basically just being honest with him. He give him a give him a. How chance about Keaton Slovis? How about Keaton Slovis potentially at Auburn? Have you heard some of that? Uh, I, I've heard a little bit of that. Uh, which is pretty fascinating with Bo Nix moving on and, and where in the world might Bo Nix uh, end up. But And then you've got guys who who have a lot of p- potential but never really done that much, like Harrison Bailey coming from Tennessee. So uh, the, the, the quarterbacks in the portal are, are going to be very fascinating. And I'm guessing, Trav, we'll, what we're going to see a lot of movement, will we not – um, uh, I would guess probably what starting you know, tomorrow. You know, what you know what we're getting closer and closer to with all this quarterback movement. We're getting closer to quarterbacks who were together at one program ending up together at another program. You know, I would love to see Max Johnson at Auburn back with TJ Finley. Yeah. How about that Good, for a scenario? Uh, I don't think really. it's going to play out that way, but <laughs> I don't think it's all that sort of out of the realm of possibility nope. for the future with all these guys trying to find 
landing spots. Now, Max Johnson, he's one of those guys we're going to be interested in hearing about here in the next few days. We did learn on Wednesday that his younger brother, the number yes. one tight end prospect for the 2022 cycle, headed to Texas A&M. You had Zach Calzada get into the portal from the Aggies perspective. It, it makes some sense, maybe, that Max Johnson, and I'm certainly thinking there's some familiarity between Brad Johnson and Jimbo Fisher um, with their ties to, to Bobby Bowden, the late Bobby Bowden. In the past. There's a lot of scenarios going on that could, could lead you that way with Max Johnson, potentially. And you still have Haynes King there coming That's off right. of injury. Well, and also with Max Johnson, uh, a lot of talk about him going to FSU. Now we find out that uh, Dillingham, the offensive coordinator at FSU, is now going to Oregon. So, uh, and, and then, Trav, you think about guys like Miles Brennan, and and I remember distinctly, oh, talking about this, uh, of how much he liked Brennan and, and that Brennan was going to be the, the starting quarterback at LSU for quite some time time uh that then obviously he gets hurt uh and then all that changes it it trev it's just amazing and what a few months time how so many of these guys go from your sure for starter possibly for uh his whole career or at least for a few years and now they're in the transfer portal looking around yeah what were your initial thoughts on spencer rattler to South Carolina, as we learned here in the last few days. Uh, I, I, my, he is better than what they have got, and I know he's compiled some some pretty decent numbers. But Trav, I, I, I'm going to be very frank with you. When I, uh, t- to me, Hendon Hooker coming back at Tennessee is a lot more uh, important for that school. Uh, and and will have a bigger impact, I think, than Spencer Rattler will at South Carolina. Yeah, Rattler to South Carolina, I agree. In terms of Luke Doty and what we know uh, Shane Beamer has at the position after his first season, I think just in terms of talent uh, and potential, Rattler is an upgrade. I initially – my initial thought with Spencer Rattler, really, since he – went to Oklahoma, had more to do with intangibles than talent. Uh, You know, is is he really that guy? Yes. Uh, Is he wired that way to be the leader of not only your offense, but in large part your program? And so that's where I went when that news broke here a couple of days ago. What I take comfort in for South Carolina is that I know Shane Beamer has history with Spencer Rattler Mm -hmm. at Oklahoma. So this isn't something that is going to be a learning process for Beamer in terms of Rattler. And I don't necessarily have any reason to think Spencer Rattler is just not a good person or, you know, you know, maybe a potential uh, culture issue bringing him in there. I just, I've always had, I've always had questions about just his makeup. You know, how much does it really matter to him? Um, how much is he really invested into it? And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works out for Shane Beamer, who also added a uh, pretty important tight end piece yeah, through yeah. the transfer portal. I know you, a guy who played for him uh, in Norman as well. So uh, interesting stuff from the South Carolina perspective here in recent days. And so what are we thinking on Bo Nix? 
shifting that thing back to Auburn on this quarterback carousel. Uh, a lot of connecting of dots. It's been simple to say, well, UCF, a reunion with Gus and Dylan Gabriel is moved on uh, from UCF at the quarterback position. Just does it make too much sense to think Bo Nix? I've heard what I've heard in recent days has actually involved LSU to a pretty large extent. Well, well, my thing with him going back with Gus, what would be uh, uh, if Gus really didn't develop him in the first place? Why do you want to go back there? Uh, I, 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 look, I, Trev, I, I like Bo Nix as a player if he can get under someone who can really develop him and to get him to get his footwork right and get him to make better decisions, that that's what's going to make the difference with Bo uh, in, in this situation. It's going to be fascinating as to why he left Auburn, uh, how his, how much dad was involved with that. Patrick Nix, who's one of the better high school coaches in the state of Alabama. Uh, was there anything behind the scenes with Nix maybe possibly being the offensive coordinator at Auburn? I'm not saying that happened, but, uh, but I think that's something worth thinking about at this point. And I'll say this from hearing from some Auburn people, Trev, they were very, very concerned of losing both Nick's and Tank Bigsby at the same time. Bigsby coming yeah. back now. Uh, oh, 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 what that would have done to that Auburn offense. Yeah, here's what I don't get. I get the feeling Bo Nix really believes he's a high-level, not just a legitimate NFL prospect at quarterback. I've, I've never really had that belief in Bo Nix. I've always made no. the comparison more to Connor Shaw, the former South Carolina quarterback. Really good. Really good college quarterback. Connor Shaw did some things at South Carolina in terms of wins uh, that we really haven't seen anybody else do. So th this isn't a slight of either Knicks or Connor Shaw. Um, but what Brian Harson is at his core offensively translates well to the National Football League. Sure. And you're already at your so-called home. You know, you're a legacy at Auburn. This is supposedly family, all these things. Yeah, I'm with you. Something just doesn't add up nope. in all of this in terms of projecting Bo Nix down the road a year or two. So, um, yeah, we'll see. And, you know, look, I thought A&M maybe too in that mix with Bo Nix. Uh, also with Jimbo in that situation and uh, maybe some ties there. But uh, we'll see how this quarterback thing plays out. I'm with you on Hendon Hooker. That is going to sort of fly under the radar yes. during this time of year. But I think once we get around to next season and Hooker and that offense kind of picks up where it left off, it's going to prove to be one of the biggest keeps, uh, one of the biggest returns of the 2021-2022 offseason. Something else we talked about, Brent, on last week's show in relation to bowl games is opt-outs. Um you know, in, in these bowl games coming up, I, I, I say this, boy, if you're Ole Miss, you're, you're in a, you're in a good position. I mean, Jeff Levy's going to coach in the game, right? For yeah. Ole Miss before going full-time to Oklahoma and, you know, to have Matt Corral playing in the game. Uh, that's, uh, that's the best case scenario. Pretty, I'm pretty sure for Lane Kiffin. Uh, well, I, I think they know how special a season this could be 
with double-digit wins, going to the Sugar Bowl, to be able to win a game like that. I, I mean, Ole Miss people will tell you in a hurry uh, in media uh, of what that will do for them. Lane now has, uh, from, from what we can tell, uh, they did. His name was rumored for some jobs, no question. But they're giving Lane a raise, an extension. Again, uh, you and I both know it's limited how many years he's going to be at Ole Miss. But 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 right, Trav, right now, could you make the argument uh, that as far as Western Division teams and and promise for the future, that Ole Miss and and Arkansas are two of the more promising teams in that division? Yeah, I like what Arkansas has been able to do in terms of coordinator retention to this point with Kendall Bryles on the offensive side, Barry Odom defensively, and then some really good news on each side of the ball, right, this past week, including Jalen Catalan, uh, the outstanding defensive back who missed a lot of the 2021 season with a shoulder injury, getting one of the best centers back in the SEC, if not all college football too, right? Uh, no, no doubt about it. Ricky Strongburn coming back uh, is is a huge plus for that uh, offensive line. Uh, Trav, and you made this point the entire season when Catlon is healthy, he's one of the best in the league. And and look, Arkansas or not, people need to take a look at him. And also a a big addition uh, as of signing day, Jaden Hasselwood from Oklahoma as official now. And, and, and Trev, I know this caught your eye like it did me. Sam Pittman now, Jimmy Sexton, that agent for Sam Pittman, uh, possibly a little bit of uh, whispering about a new deal for Sam yeah, Pittman. Arkansas <laughs> administration better buckle Absolutely. up. Don't you when, think? When Jimma, when Jimma rolls in, you better yeah. buckle up. And yeah. uh, get that Tyson checkbook out. Get that Walton checkbook out there in Northwest Arkansas. Get them all out. Yeah, because uh, uh, Santa Jimmy's coming to town for yeah. uh, for Sam Pittman. I would think here in the not too distant future. You know, we talk about uh, you know, coaching rumblings and things like that. But wow, it's been a, a pretty good stretch here for. Defensive coordinators in the league, both in the SEC East and the SEC West, as a couple of those guys move up to the Power Five level as head coaches. Uh, did it surprise you at all the the quote unquote smooth transition at Georgia, Travis Dan <coughs> Dan Lanning? Oh, that was now, built in. Yeah, you knew it was right. Uh, Dan Lanning going uh, to Oregon. Uh, it, could we read the writing on the wall with, with Will Muschamp coming there as an analyst where that one was going to go? Uh, now, Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp, co-defensive coordinators. Dan Lanning would stay on uh, during the playoffs as far as where George is going. George obviously having a, a great recruiting class up there with A&M and Alabama. Uh, but no, no question about that. And, you know, on our segment, uh, it, it, it's a little bit amusing because th- we talked about this, what, Trav, about three weeks to a month ago of when would Dan Lanning have his opportunity. And, boy, he got it at Oregon, didn't he? Yeah, that's that's one that's a little bit above the level I was anticipating for Dan Lanning Agreed. in this cycle. Yes. Yeah, I could have seen this for Lanning after maybe another year. Right. Uh, but a tremendous opportunity for him out in the Pac-12 and – 
kind of Oregon's answer to Lincoln Riley, an offensive guy coming in at SC. You see Oregon go more defensive. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Lanning wastes no time in making an offensive hire uh, in Dillingham from Florida State. So some pieces coming together out on the West Coast. And Mike Elko uh, taking the plunge. That's an interesting hire. It is. I know he has experience in the ACC, but uh, I found that to be a pretty interesting one. It sounds like Charles Huff, the former Alabama assistant who just finished his first year at Marshall uh, as the head coach of the Thundering Herd, might have been in that mix as well. But it's Elko that's going to take over in Durham. Well, look, that's not an easy job by any stretch of the imagination. But if Elko goes there and and does a good job, and again, I give David Cutcliffe a lot of credit for what he did. That was a, a probably a pretty good mutual separation when it happened. Uh, so uh, Elko moving on, he really did a nice job at AM. I'd be very curious who Jimbo hires and, and look more AM News Trav. Zach Calzada on the move, yep. uh, uh, which was interesting. Uh, uh, one of our favorite players, Isaiah Spiller, uh, decided that he is going to uh, the NFL. Uh, also, uh, the thing, we have not a chance to discuss this, but uh, and and I give Billy Lucci of Taxags credit for this. But Trav, the negotiation uh, with Jimbo in late November, the the offer of an eight-year, $125 million. (laughs) And you wonder why Sam Pittman takes on uh, Jimmy Sexton. Absolutely. I mean, Sam Pittman is sitting here looking at A&M. Yes. I beat that guy. Absolutely. He went 8-4. And there's talk of him getting $13 million yeah, a year absolutely. at LSU? Oh, yeah. Maybe I need to look into Jimmy Sexton because, oh, yes. hey, give Jimbo a lot of credit. Nobody gets more mileage out of, well, a, a solid resume. He's won a national championship, and, hey, he beat Nick Saban. Yes. But he went 8-4. and four. Texas That's A&M right. went 8-4 and four with a team oh, a yes. lot of people expected to be in the college football playoff. And I know they had the injury at quarterback. But we don't know if Haynes King was going to be Johnny Manziel or not. What we saw in a limited sample size didn't speak to that. But goodness gracious, Jimbo, eight and four, playing in the Gator Bowl. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and LSU. uh, And I understand the ties there between Scott Woodward and 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 Jimbo. But thirteen million. I'm going to guess that number's got to be inflated. Uh, Now (laughs) that might be the number that Jimmy. Yes. And the Fisher yes. camp floated. Good point. In in relation to Jimbo's status at A and M, but that just that sounds crazy to me for Jimbo Fisher, thirteen million a year. I, I I struggle with that. The greatest response to that was from Justin Ferguson, who is an Auburn beat writer, uh, who tweeted out after those numbers were <laughs> were announced. Uh, he said, "Okay, so you're paying." Uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher three million dollars more year than Nick Saban, the best coach. And well, I guess who represents Nick Saban? <laughs> absolutely, too. absolutely. You and don't Jim think Sexton. Jimmy Sexton wants those numbers out there for a multitude of reasons, not just for Jimbo, but everybody nope. else he represents. Well, well, that helps him attract candidates like Sam Pittman, 
Sure it does. Because they can't ignore that sort of talk. Yeah. <laughs> but Ferguson, in his last sentence of the tweet, said, if you think that's justified, uh, you need to seek medical help immediately. Uh, but, but at the same time, uh, and, and I can tell you this, uh, there are more than a few coaches have switched to section over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, tra- if that's real, which I – I, I, I tend to think the truth is probably somewhere in between. I, yeah. I could see LSU going 10 yeah. a year for Jimbo, maybe 11. I, I, um, boy, LSU got Brian Kelly on a Groupon deal. Um, <laughs> if that if that's anywhere close, oh, anywhere yeah. close to real uh, for Jimbo Fisher. So movement at the assistant level, promotions for a couple of coordinators going up to the head coach level, and then – Again, another one of these transactions uh, that may take some time to really show up big was Corey Raymond, the longtime LSU assistant, making the jump to Billy Napier's staff there in Gainesville. From a recruiting perspective, how many times have we talked about Florida in recent years not fulfilling uh, really realistic expectations? This hire has certainly that aspect of program management in mind well and look to put it in a nutshell Corey raymond either as a primary recruiter or secondary recruiter is has responsibility trial for i've heard as much as eight five stars and i can tell you this one Dan Mullen at Florida during his tenure, the tenure at Florida, Trev, that, uh, that there was nowhere near eight five stars during that recruiting period, was it? I, I don't recall that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and look, we got to start getting ready once we get through early signing day and the period here, uh, shifting our focus back to the postseason because Absolutely. the bowl season coming up this Saturday, no yes. SEC teams involved, but pretty much. From noon to midnight, you're oh, going to wow. have bowl action throughout the day on Saturday, and then you'll get some SEC teams involved a couple of days before Christmas and a couple of those games. But definitely a lot of the focus on the college football playoff, the SEC's two participants in Alabama and Georgia. And unfortunately for Alabama, there's been this continuation of injury oh. news that hasn't been particularly favorable for Nick Saban's team. Boy, Josh Job going out now with a foot injury, uh, and, and to see what they're going to do at this point is Malachi Moore, uh, Kool Aid McKinstry also involved. Trev, uh, look, if they beat Cincinnati and have some more injuries in that secondary, uh, that, that, that depth in the secondary is getting about as thin as it is in running back, is it not? It is. Uh, corner depth had been an issue with Marcus Banks moving into the transfer portal during the season. It appears as if Banks might be headed to Miami based on some crystal ball projections there at 247sports.com. You'd be in a lot better position with Marcus Banks still in that mix yes. than you are yes. right now. But you know, pending Jalen Armour Davis's situation with that hip injury, you could be looking at a corner duo for the college football playoff that consists of two newcomers. One, a true freshman at Kool-Aid McKinstry, who has made a couple of starts in a row here in the last few games. Very talented five-star prospect for the 2021 cycle. So all the 
attributes and uh, the things you look for in a corner are there, just not just not experienced. And I thought some of that showed up against Georgia uh, with a couple penalties and a few issues he had there in the win over the Bulldogs. And then Kyrie Jackson, a junior college transfer who didn't play football at all last year because yeah. of COVID. Uh, he has steadily moved up the pecking order between injuries and the departure of Marcus Banks. Now, Jackson is a 6'3 corner. Again, similar to Kool-Aid McKinstry in that in terms of look and talent and attributes, they're all there, but guy has not played a lot. I think what helps Alabama Brent in this situation is the improved play at the safety position. No doubt. I think DeMarco Hellams, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Battle, as we saw against Georgia, those two guys were difference makers. Maybe the biggest difference other than the quarterback position in that game between the teams was the safety play. Georgia just didn't have much on the back end of that defense for the Alabama passing game, and Helms and Battle were huge. So maybe Alabama can offset some of that between uh, those safeties. And even Brian Branch, I thought, competed well uh, in the game and, and you know at least made it challenging uh, for Brock Bowers, even though he had a huge game for the Bulldogs. Uh, and, and listen, can we also say some of these guys that, that who have helped Alabama in that front seven and getting more pressure on uh, the passer like Dallas Turner, uh, who was an SEC All-Freshman uh, team member, uh, I think has also helped. And, and listen, the other thing, and talk about the secondary, and Trav, at this point, uh, uh, who is – who is Bama's number? Who's that second guy coming in for wide receiver to be able to have Jamison Williams out uh, to take some of the pressure off Williams? Yeah, Ja'Cory Brooks, another freshman. Uh, he's going to be the Kool-Aid McKinstry equivalent, I think, on the offensive side. They, they'll play some other guys, too, though. Treshawn mm-hmm. Holden is a guy yes. I think they feel comfortable with. More importantly, I think Bryce feels Bryce Young feels very comfortable with with Treshawn Holden, they have a yes. relationship that goes back to their days together in California. So there is a familiarity there. But look, you know, John Mechie wasn't just the volume of catches for him and uh, that security blanket that he was with an emphasis maybe on third downs and some situations like that. He was he is a physical player. Yes. And so as much as they like to work the perimeter with the quick game, and as good as he is with the ball in his hands in those situations, uh, just as good as a blocker. I would say Alabama's best perimeter blocker by a pretty wide margin. So the loss of Mechie is multi-fold. Uh, it's not just one certain area of the offense that you're going to feel that with John Mechie out. What about Georgia? Uh, likewise, um, seems to be a team and. In pretty good shape. I guess if there's some things you wonder about Georgia after that loss to Alabama is pass rush um, with just four guys. Uh, Didn't see much of that from that Georgia defensive front, especially. Uh, And then the Stetson Bennett question isn't going to go away anytime soon. No, and people still think JT Daniels may be the answer there. I'm not sure about that at all. I think Kirby probably still going to take his chance. And listen, Trev, we all hear this talk about uh, getting revenge on Alabama uh, in the national championship game. Look, 
there's no guarantee they'll get away from Michigan at this point. Michigan's a lot better than people believe, and we'll certainly break some of these games down as we get closer. But again, as George Beatwriter told us after the game, that uh, that that Georgia defense is predicated upon getting to the passer. If they can't do that, that leaves them wide open to be exploited. And there were bust and and there were loss of poise. That that there were a lot of things in that Georgia game that that just beyond not getting to the passer, Trav. At this point, that has people concerned. Yeah, and you know we've always sort of looked at a potential Georgia-Michigan matchup as a game being right in Georgia's wheelhouse as far as what Michigan is about with an emphasis on offense and in in often scenarios, often cases, just not athletic enough on defense. Well, Georgia doesn't really stress you um, offensively. I I think Michigan right now probably looks at Georgia – the way we've all looked at Michigan from the Georgia yeah. perspective. Oh, yes. Especially after the loss to Alabama. I still think it's a game Georgia will win. Uh, but there's no question the perception and the narrative has changed tremendously in the days and couple of weeks since that loss to Alabama. Uh, Trav, a couple of things that I wanted to, to just to touch on real quick. Uh, it, it, Kentucky is keeping Brad White. Uh, as D coordinator, LSU was looking at him. I think this is a guy that had got a whole lot of attention. And, uh, boy, a name that, uh, as long as you and I have done radio, Randy Sanders' name has come up. And in a lot of ways, he is actually retiring uh, at this point. He was at East Tennessee State. And, and man, oh, man, uh, Sanders was a whipping boy for a lot of fan bases, wouldn't he, Trav, as far as offensive coordinator at different times. But he, Randy Sanders is a survivor. Give him a lot of credit and certainly a, a, a name that will come up in SEC lore over the next few decades. Yeah, Brent, you and I are both officially – Old enough to remember <laughs> when Randy Sanders was considered to be a hot young name. No doubt. On, in, Absolutely. in the coaching ranks. And uh, wow, now he's moving on from the profession. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here? Uh, we we certainly will. Uh, we all know recruiting is fluid. Uh, we'll certainly have more on that uh, after these three days are up and then kind of see where things are going. But I think what you said, I, I really like, I'm ready to get into, uh, the, the bowl situation. Uh, the, the, and that's a fun thing about the bowls. I know they're all, all outs and, and so forth. Um, it team's not really wanting to be there and play, but, the reality is, over the next few days, starting this weekend, uh, there's basically a bowl game on virtually every day. So, uh, and even on Monday night, well, Monday night football, there'll be bowl games on the afternoon. I don't think people realize, Trav, how many day games they are as far as bowls are concerned, because they've got to do something right to get them all in. Yeah, I mean, we got games at Fenway Park. We got games at Yankee Stadium. That's right. Uh, wow, absolutely ton of bowl games coming up and we'll do our best to give you the perspective from the sec involvement in those postseason matchups with an emphasis of course on the college football playoff brent beard as always great stuff with us here 
on Second Helping. We hope you'll subscribe to Second Helping if you haven't already. Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find the program. If you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Brent, always a lot of fun. Me too, brother. Look forward to next time. Take care. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, and executive producer Bill Oakley, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. Until next time, so long, everybody.